Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. And we are here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings around the world of sports. Today's show, uh, we are not going to have our, quote, news segments. Uh, we found it's just not making really for really good content. Uh, you know, we certainly don't want to discredit people who want to hear about the NHL or uh, Major League Baseball. Well, although we do have some Major League Baseball news today. Uh, we did, we don't want to have to kind of shoehorn it in just to have it if it's not really going to go with the flow of the show. So uh, we will promise to do our best to be uh, sort of well-rounded. Uh, but um, if it just doesn't fit in the flow of the show, then, um, you know, we're just going to go with what makes for the best content. Uh, I'm sure you guys understand. And if you're, you're still listening, then clearly you do. And we thank you for that. Uh, on today's show, we have another NFL veteran hanging it up. Uh, the Ravens GM is apparently not, you know, uh, cognizant of the fact that he's the one drafting his team. Uh, apparently, mm-hmm. he's insulted by people not thinking, hey, I have no wide receivers. We will definitely have an opinion on that. Uh, ben is uh, pretty much going to educate me on the top five quarterbacks in the NFL draft and by proxy, all of you. But first, uh, some baseball and Man, you know, you know my, you know my stance on Rob Manfred. I do. That uh, I think everybody listening knows my feelings on Rob Manfred. I think you would have to uh, vastly improve just to suck at his job. Uh, but a potential rule change he is allegedly looking to uh, add or or have voted upon or put in front of however the hell he does it. I don't know. Uh, I kind of agree with. Oh, so, yeah? in the interest of being consistent. If the man has a good idea, I'm going to say he has a good idea. I was fair with Goodell, despite my history of, of not really being crazy about him, to put it mildly. Uh, so i got to be fair to Manfred as well, uh, if, if he has a good idea. Or, if his idea will lead to something better for the game, I have no problem admitting it. And I will do just that. Uh, you came in a few days ago with this. Uh, a couple potential rule changes. Apparently he wants to push the pitcher's mound back two feet. Uh, that that's stupid. That's asinine. That's change for change's sake. I don't see any reason why that would matter, uh, unless I'm missing something. I I think the idea is to bring down the miles per hour, but where where I originally heard it, I heard the argument. Uh, he was uh, the person I heard it from was very much against it. Uh, he his point was well, if pitch you can slow down the ball all you want. If the pitcher's got movement, it's going to break even more. So you're still you're, you're still not going to hit it. I don't know what the objective here is. It just seems like you're gonna you're gonna see pitchers who are typically going to hit like 99, 100 miles an hour. If they lose like a mile or two off their fastball because of the distance, of the distance, you could see them trying to amp it back up, and then now you have even more elbow issues. Yeah, absolutely. And this doesn't, it just does not make any sense. Uh, I don't, this is, again, this is change for change's sake. Um, you have, you have a bunch of players now who apparently, I don't, I don't know what happened somewhere between like the, the mid to late nineties, early two thousands. And now like if a guy hits two fifty, I mean, he may as well walk on water. If a guy hits near 300, 
He's essentially a living baseball deity, which is absurd. Tony Gwynn is rolling in his grave, believe me, because Tony Gwynn could hit 300 with, with one eye open and one hand behind his back. So, uh, I mean, it, it everything seems to be to cater to the softening of Major League Baseball. And in case you have not guessed it, no, this is not the aspect of Mr. Manfred's uh, proposed rule changes that I agree with. So uh, we're going to dump on him a little bit here because it's a terrible idea. Uh, It's stupid. It makes no sense. It absolutely will, like Ben said, increase pitchers' injuries because they're going to be trying to compensate for the lost mileage because of the added feet. Uh, It's been 60 feet 6 inches for... (laughs) A long time. It may have been since the beginning of baseball, or right? if if it wasn't the very very start, it was an iteration that was not too far from the start. And now we're going to change it because why not? Hitters hitters need a break because they'd rather tweet or make a TikTok <laughs> rather than sit in the batting cages for a few extra hours a day. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I I I don't know. These guys are paid more than ever, and it seems like it's every possible every possible scenario to make it as easy on them as possible. Um, it's it's like the overtime, overtime, <laughs> extra inning rules, where now somebody starts on second base. Yeah. Because they don't want it to go too late because the players it might have to, you know, stay up late and then they might have to work the next day. Oh, man. Wouldn't want them to get a slight dose of real life, would you? Poor guys. Um, it's dumb at best. It's, it's fixing it's fixing the problem because we know what the problem is, Chris. Games are going too long, so it's fixing a problem without it really fixing it. Like this is not this is not a resolution. This is going to cause more problems down the road than it is going to help the game in the immediate. I, I and they're already I guess they're already implementing it in um, minor league baseball because. They own minor league baseball. They can pretty much do whatever they want in minor league baseball, see if it works, and see if they can uh, apply it to the major league baseball. The one difference is you can apply it all you want to minor league baseball, but now you have to contend with the players' union to enact any rules, uh, to have them go along with it. Because you can put the rules in place all you want, but you need the players' association to be on board with this. And I just don't think these pitchers that – you know, think of think of Trevor Bauer, who, with the money that the Dodgers just gave up for him. I'm it's I just can't imagine that they would really want to put him in a position where he's trying to crank it up a little bit more because his breaking ball is is breaking sooner than he than it usually does. And now instead of giving those outside corner uh, strikes, they're just dipping too early. So now he's got to put a little more effort and. It's just, it's just all, it's all mechanical. They're used to doing it in a certain way. And it's been so long having the mound at that distance. It just doesn't make sense to make that change. Make other ones. We're about five years away from just put the ball on a tee and remove the pitcher completely and see what happens. And about 10 years away from, you know what? We're going to have a trophy for every team because you're all winners. So... Good job, Rob. Way to turn this into a friggin', you know, schoolyard t-ball league. All right, on to the, and after I just did all that, now I'm going to actually half-ass agree with him. 
so I kind of misunderstood this this next proposed rule when you brought it to me. I thought he wanted to to not allow starting pitchers. Like he wanted to have like the opener be called openers or closers or, or middle relief or whatever, which didn't make any sense to me. But to tell you how insane a lot of Rob Manfred's rule changes have been, as crazy as that sounded, I was like, man, that's Rob Manfred. I was like, he probably doesn't want starting pitchers anymore. I, I really just went along with it in my own head because Major League Baseball, LOL. Uh, so uh, apparently, I, I completely mis- misconstrued what you meant. And his actual idea is removing the starting pitcher, excuse me, removing the DH once the starting pitcher is removed, right. which would force teams to either have the pitchers hit or pinch hitters, obviously. Uh, so I... Part of his reasoning was to strategically uh, kind of persuade teams to have their starters out there longer. Right. Which, look, I'm dying a little inside saying this, but thank you, Rob Manfred. Because, look, I'll probably never say those words again, but the opener is making baseball unwatchable. You got a few really, really good starting pitchers who can go out there and pitch six, seven, eight innings. And I understand that not everybody can go out there and pitch nine (laughs) from April to September into the playoffs. I get that. I'm not trying to be unreasonable either. I mean, the days of, you know, Christy, you know, Matthewson and Walter Johnson and and all those guys, you know, pitching both games of a doubleheader and then pitching a pickup game on the way home because they love baseball so much. Those days are gone. I get that. But you have a guy go out and a star prospect, he pitched four and a third innings. Oh, my God. You're going to applaud that? That dude's a star prospect. He better at least be doing six. If he ain't doing six, his ass is going back down to the minors. You you know my position on starting pitching, man. I, I want the starters out there. I mean, it. it's just this is why it'll never go. Is because you're devaluing the DH in in these positions are sometimes created out of a player who can't play the field. Example: David Ortiz, or older players who have a little bit left but just can't play the field anymore. Albert Pujols, right? You know, name your all all your other ones that you can name that just kind of faded off in the when when taking DH position and I th- I just think it might the value of that position and it'll bring down the value of players in those positions and if you bring down the value then you bring down the dollar amounts and once you start affecting the dollar amount then you know the players union will not be on board with that so that's just that simple well that's the thing <laughs> Every side of this seems to want their cake and eat it too. Right. They want it easier. Well, that's the problem. Exactly. They want it easier. The game is is becoming borderline unwatchable. And I know the arguments I make for baseball, but dude, we're what? Uh, how many games into the season now? We're at least a couple weeks into the season. Yeah. I have to confess, as much as I love baseball, I've yet to sit down and watch a game. Any part I, of a game. I don't really catch up on much on highlights. Yeah. I, I do I do look at the scores. I want to, you know, see how the Sox are doing. It's unwatchable. It's four to five hours of half-ass play. If half these guys played the way they do now, 
in the mid to late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, they'd be in the minor leagues or playing in Japan somewhere. And I only say that because it's, it's a smaller field, so it's easier to hit home runs over there. Uh, but it, this is just like continue to coddle these people. Which, by the way, like I said earlier, is exactly what happens when everyone gets a participation trophy. No one can be wrong. No one can just suck. No one can need improvement. Everyone's awesome all the time. And they want more money than ever. And which, in turn, increases ticket prices, concession prices, makes fans not want to go. Why am I going to go pay $8 for a lemonade and, what, 8 to $9 for a hot dog and a popcorn to watch some guy pitch two innings? No. Right. And, and you would do it, Chris, if it was an... Ex- a total experience. And we've talked about this before. I'm not going to get back into it about how uh, the crafts and the New England Patriots have created a, a, an experience when you go to Gillette stadium, where you're willing to pay a little extra because of everything that's going on, the amenities, the before tailgate, the afterwards, the places you can go into the go to and then, I mean, I haven't been to all the stadiums in Major League Baseball, but I can tell you from um, Camden Yards and uh, Fenway Park, it's just, I mean, Camden Yards is a great, great place. I've been there. It's nice, but, you know, step outside of it and you're in downtown Baltimore and it's busy and the streets are buzzing. Fenway Park, just as bad. Yep. It's it's busy. It's It's not an experience. Once you step outside, you're just – you can't get in into it. You can't get involved into it. So you have to make the inside experience that much better in Major League Baseball. And like you said, your product is boring. And you're killing yourself because you just don't identify the problems and fix them is the basis of why this, this sport just bleeds viewers bleeds fans and it's just it hurts to say that but it's just the fact yeah and i don't I, like like you said i don't want to get too deep in this because we've discussed this we've done a deep dive on this before but you're 100 percent right about the whole you know there aren't many stadiums where it's an immersive experience uh i'd say i don't know the first time first couple of times i went to fenway yeah. It, first of all, I always love Fenway. Fenway, the, the park itself is is amazing. Once I'm in Fenway, I'm good. No problem. The area surrounding it, it's charming the first couple times you go. You know, it's a big city. Everything's going crazy. You got all the, the street vendors and, and uh, concessions mm-hmm. and, and merchandise. And then you get in the stadium and you walk out and, uh, and you see the field for the first time. Or whether it be ever or for that day, whatever. It's really incredible. And then after you go to a few, it's like, oh, my God, I got to go deal with Boston traffic. Even if you park at a T station, you take the T in, which is what I've done all but one time. And that one time, I did not drive. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, it's, man, it's really a mess. And you're on the T, and there isn't enough room. And then, you know, you're, you're, you get around the stadium, and you got to wait, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes in a concession line to get a damn hot dog or grinder or something like that. It's just... It, 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 I love the Sox. I love Fenway, but it, like you said, it's not an immersive experience. It's dealing with a whole lot of nonsense to get there to watch a product that over the last five or ten years has become increasingly boring. Uh, and 
exact opposite with Patriot Place, which I'm sure a lot of NFL stadiums, it appears, are like this now. Uh, I've only been to uh, Gillette, so I can only speak on that one in particular. It's a total experience. I mean, it's, it's a little pricey, but it's a total experience. They have restaurants and stores and, and, and events and movie theaters and all this stuff. Yeah, you can go there for a one o'clock game and stay there all night. Go back to your hotel. You had a full day, great day. And like with Fenway, it's usually you get a nice coffee before you get on the tee, just so you can stay awake and not miss your stop and end up riding that hell train for the next four hours. Well, and if you think of it, Chris, um, New Dallas Stadium came after Gillette. So you know Jerry Jones Oh yeah. Went all out. So Understanding, we—I'll speak as well. I have never been to anything but Gillette Stadium, but I, I would guarantee Jerry Jones created a a masterpiece in his mind, but um, a full immersive entertainment to the point where you actually can see the players going on the field. Like you're—you can literally be within inches of them when they're going on and off the field. Is the interaction like? Eh, I don't know what kind of interaction that is potentially, but I am sure you have to pay a lot of money and you have certain things you can and can't do there. But that's just an example, being immersed in the atmosphere and, and just creating that so that when, you know, that, that credit card bill comes and you like, you're looking at it, it's like, Oh my God, I spent that much money, but it was worth it. Exactly. It, it right. was an experience. And maybe it's only an experience you get once every two or three years but it's worth it. I just can't say the same about the Sox. I can't say the same about baseball. So until baseball starts to get this time situation down to where it's reasonable, then maybe you can start, you know, fixing other aspects of it, but you're just not going to fix it until, until you do that. And I'm sorry, any of these rule changes that they're implementing one, I just don't think it's going to work. And two, you're not going to implement it because the players union is just not going to buy. Trophies for everyone. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, we have another NFL veteran who has announced his retirement today. Last week was Julian Edelman uh, due to injury. Uh, could not get medically cleared and <laughs> definitely chose his ability to walk in the later stages of his life over risking it. Uh, and I can certainly understand that. Well, 2020 Comeback Player of the Year, first overall pick by the San Francisco 49ers in 2005, quarterback Alex Smith has announced his retirement from the NFL after 16 seasons, uh, two of which were spent completely on the shelf to the injury and better parts of at least another season or two uh, were, were spent dealing with injury as well, especially the one he had to come back from that just that, that 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 when he broke his leg, man, that was yeah one of the ugliest things uh, I, injuries I can remember seeing. And anyone who has a stomach for it, if you go back and you watch some of the highlight packages they did of him getting back on the field and some of the things he had to do, uh, if you have a weak stomach, I would not suggest it. But if you can handle it, uh, it's it's hard to see what the man went through and and not get inspired, and not, not even just because. Oh, pro athletes are heroes because I love sports. I don't look at pro athletes as heroes, honestly. They're just people doing their job. 
uh, and I don't enjoy watching, but the people do on their job. Uh, but man, the determination to just continue to prove to yourself, your your kids, your wife, the whole nine yards that you could get back and on your own terms. Dude's got my respect till the end of time. Uh, all he had to go through, regardless of his quality of play on the field, which we'll get to in a second naturally, because whenever somebody retires, there's always a natural question that comes up. We went over it last week with Julian Edelman. Um, but, I mean, this guy, man, he, former number one overall pick. Uh, I have a feeling the Niners probably wish he had taken Aaron Rodgers in that draft instead. But, different story. What, what, do, you, what do you think about Alex Smith? Uh, he was a great game manager. Uh, early on in his career, I think they put a lot more on his plate than they should have. Um, if I remember correctly, he went to school, was it Utah? Utah State? I think it was Utah. Um, but he was first overall, and, and I think they put too much, too high of expectations on someone from a non-Power 5 conference school. Now, I, now you could throw Ben Roethlisberger in my face because Ben Roethlisberger went to uh, the University of Miami, Ohio, which not a Power 5 conference team as well. But I just think he developed into kind of that second-tier quarterback you want where he can get you so far with the talent. I think, I think I've mentioned this about um, Mac Jones, where I just think he'll take the, the – you give him talents – and he will take that talent as far as it's supposed to go. But he can't take less talent and and bring more out of it because he's limited himself. And and you know, prime example was, you know, Washington football team has t- some talented players. We 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 saw that this past year. We saw uh Ty- Taylor Hineke, was it? Yeah. Um, yep. Almost with that talented te- team, uh, take the eventual Super Bowl champions, you know, down the wire in that uh, wild card game. So I just, I just think he he was a good player. You know, there's a reason why the Bournemouthers moved on from him. They had, uh, I think, uh, Colin Kaepernick at the time. Yep. Uh, there's a reason why the Kansas City Chiefs moved on. Uh, they had. Patrick Mahomes and they saw what they like what they saw in him and they experienced what Alex Smith was going to give them and they're like let's take a gamble on Patrick Mahomes because we already know what Alex Smith is going to give us we're not going to get much more um would they have won a Super Bowl with Alex Smith over Patrick Mahomes I don't think so they just didn't have enough talent around him but it's just He's a good player. He's a good player, and he – that's all I can say. He's, he was a good player. He just – he's not a Hall of Famer. Yeah, well, that, that led to my next question, which is the, you know, the natural question, like I said earlier, whenever somebody retires is, are they a Hall of Famer? Some are really cut and dry, yes, no. Um, this one, to me, is, is rather easy. Um, no, he's not. Uh, and I say that with the utmost respect for what the man did as far as getting back on the field. Uh, but, I mean, 99 career wins, 
99-67-1 was his record. Just over uh, 3,500. Excuse me. Just over 35,600 passing yards. 199 touchdowns. 109 picks. Not a bad ratio there, but nothing special. And a career QB rating of 86.9. And I put that, look, man. If guts, heart, grit, determination, if those things were an actual metric, he'd be a Hall of Famer. First ballot all day, no question. Uh, But the numbers aren't there. The playoff wins aren't there. Look, we had um, we had a discussion with Edelman last week. You know, the numbers aren't as impressive as some of the upper echelon quote receivers uh, throughout history. But when it mattered most, Edelman didn't get easy yards. Every yard Edelman ever got, he earned in huge games. The guy played pretty much nothing but big games, with the exception of the first two games of 2020. He barely ever played in a game that didn't matter ever. Everything was earned. Three rings, Super Bowl MVP, countless you know playoff wins. Alex Smith doesn't have the numbers, and he doesn't have any of the playoff accolades. He's got the heart of a champion, no doubt, and I'm not even trying to be cheesy when I say that. The guy deserves, and I know I've said this, and I'm going to say it again, uh, infinite respect and admiration for the effort he put in to get back on the field, and he seems like a great guy. The end of the day, there's just there's no way he's in Canton. There's it's just I don't see it. I don't see any way he gets in. Unless Rob Manford becomes commissioner of the NFL. Oh, then everyone's possible. in. That's possible, Chris. No, I just I just don't yeah, I, I don't have much more to put on it. I, I'm I think I spe- I spoke my piece on, on Alex Smith. I, I like him as a player. Oh yeah, uh, Same I like here. what he did. It's just he just he was a good player. That's all. He was a good player for you know three good teams. They had some you know before he got injured. He had a good team in in Washington, and they were building something in Kansas City, obviously because they they went on and won a Super Bowl and went to another one. It's just a matter of enough talent okay say they have that exact same team around them though yeah but alex smith and not patrick mahomes i mean they probably aren't making even the second game of the playoffs they're not they're not they're not i know they had a bye that year so they're not even making the conference championship they're done they're one and done like there's 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 throws that patrick mahomes would do put it this way chris uh, was it the Titans? They faced the Titans not this past year, the year before, and they had a lead on them, right? If I remember correctly. Yes. But as typical, um, Patrick Mahomes and the, and the offense would click off 21, 28 points like it just came out of nowhere. I don't see Alex Smith being able to do such a thing. He can't just make points appear out of nowhere like Mahomes could. So. That right there is at some point when the Chiefs were behind last year, whether it be against the the um, Titans or anyone before that, they weren't gonna they weren't gonna be able to cut, uh, catch up because he just doesn't have that ability to yeah move the ball down the field, even with Kelsey, Watkins, Robinson, Hill, 
last year, um, Damian Williams, it just, it wasn't, it, it's just not going to happen with, with Alex Smith. And to anybody, we're going to talk about some, some of the quarterbacks in this upcoming draft in our last segment. But to anybody who can say, man, Trevor Lawrence is a surefire this or surefire that. He may be for all I know. Joe Burrow looked like a can't miss prospect coming out. It looked great in his rookie season until he obviously got injured, but he looks like he's the real deal. Time will tell. You never know. Uh, and it was the same thing with Alex Smith. Alex Smith and Aaron Rodgers were supposed to go one and two in the 2005 NFL draft. Uh, Smith went one. Rodgers went, what, 21 or 22 to Green Bay? Something like that, yeah. And all the, <laughs> this is a team that already had Brett Favre. And then they get Aaron Rodgers to come, you know, right behind him. And it's just, it's, it's, it's just goes to show you, uh, you never really know. You can look at all the metrics in the world. Anybody want to tell me a quarterback from the 2001 draft class, excuse me, 2000 draft class, not named Tom Brady, the 199th overall pick. You can name a few, I'm sure if you're a fan, just because you've heard the comparisons over the years, but there, there's no, there's no measurement. Like nobody, nobody saw that coming. So um, that's that wasn't anything with Alex Smith. That was just kind of the, to show you that you know, for all all the all the 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 numbers and stats and metrics we look over, man, it there's really sometimes intangibles that just count for way more than any of that. Um, all right, anything else on Alex Smith? Are you good? No, I'm good. I'm all set. All right, well, let's move on to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, oh yeah, let let's do that uh, because and look. I know I'm a Patriots fan, and people are going to think I'm just going to sit here and crap on the Ravens for some reason. But, uh, you know, <laughs> they were really, 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 really good competition the entirety of the time that Tom Brady was there. Iron sharpens iron. You knew whenever you played Baltimore, you were you were going to watch a slugfest. And it's really not any different today, even. Just different style of gameplay. Uh, not necessarily that dominant defense, but, you know, a, a really, really good running game and a good defense. It's just a little bit different. Um, but apparently, uh, Ravens GM Eric DaCosta uh, is insulted when people say, fans and media types, say his team has no wide receivers. Well, they don't. Say it insults him and his wide receivers. He says Lamar Jackson likes the wide receivers they have. I'm sure he does. I'm sure they're all fine people. And it's nothing against the human beings. But let's run down the list. Okay. Okay. They have, well, they tried to get Juju Smith-Schuster, but they kind of went cheap and tried going on a one-year deal a little bit for a little bit more than Pittsburgh had offered. And if you're Juju, why would you do that? Just stay in Pittsburgh another year and right. see what happens next year in free agency. Uh, they have Marquise Hollywood-Brown. First round pick three years ago. Look, this guy's electric. He has talent. He's just not a number one in the way of a DeAndre Hopkins, in the way of a Michael Thomas. Well, Michael Thomas, providing he's not on my fantasy team. Uh, that Michael Thomas sucks. But Michael Thomas and anybody else's fantasy team is great. It's the worst sixth overall pick I ever made. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, like, not nothing wrong with him. He's a great big play guy. He's a great to be 
or, or, or three receiver. He's not a one. He's not a hard number one receiver. There's no way. No. Sammy Watkins, they signed this offseason. Sammy has a big game a year. And then he acts like he's Jerry Rice. The media acts like this is his big coming out party. And then he proceeds to disappear a la Amari Cooper for the next, oh, I don't know, uh, roughly full calendar year. So, and that's when he's on the field and not injured. So, uh, I mean, this guy's not a number one. He was supposed to be coming out of college. That was almost a decade ago. He's never hit those numbers. Uh, let's see. Miles Boinkin. Again, not nothing personal. He's not a number one by any means. Devin Duvernay. Not a number one. Not even close. Neither one of those last two are the best receiver on that team. So if Brown and Watkins aren't, they sure as hell aren't. So you have the same problem the Patriots have had the last couple of years. It's, you got a whole bunch of guys who are pretty decent number two receivers or okay number three receivers or okay in the slot, but they're not going to take over a game. You don't have that guy. And I just love the fact the GM, the guy in charge of drafting, it's almost like he surprised himself that he didn't draft any receivers or I don't know, go out and sign any. There was a surplus of free agent wide receivers available this offseason. What's he do? Goes and gets the most inconsistent, oft injured one he can. Okay. And then when fans say you have no receivers, just get butthurt and say, oh, that really hurts our feelings. Well, it hurts the fans' wallets when they put their hard-earned money and time into this team. And all you want to do is have people feel sorry for you because you haven't gone out and given your stud star quarterback the people he needs to get further in the playoffs. Because the Baltimore team we saw last year was good. It was better than the Patriots were. But they're not making it to the Super Bowl. They're not beating Kansas City. And, and I, I, I think if, um, well, we could always look back at the draft and say, what could have they done differently? I mean, yeah, there's some players that were taken later this is this is the the dk medcalf draft debo samuel so and Nikhil harry but you know Nikhil, i don't know if Nikhil would have developed there either but you know this is this is and this is where um uh aj brown was drafted and dk medcalf for sure and um debo samuel were after uh hollywood brown uh, I think AJ was taken earlier, if I remember correctly, or was he later? I don't know. Um, I'm looking at. I don't. I don't see where AJ Brown is. But uh, regardless, yeah, AJ Brown was taken uh, mid second round. So all these players that could have been taken instead of Hollywood Brown. But I'll, I'll tell you what they saw, Chris. They saw Kyler Murray throwing these bombs, sick bombs, to Hollywood Brown. And they thought, ooh, we can just get him. And Lamar Jackson can do the same thing. Because Lamar Jackson has the arm. Absolutely does. Uh, problem is, is you can't quite always do that in the pros. These are professionals. Um, and OU plays in the Big 12, which the one problem with the Big 12 is, is there's a lot of lack of defense. B 
being played. Just ask OU's defense uh, three or four years ago, and they were paper thin and letting anyone score on them. I just think it, it was a misstep by the GM and the front office to think that Hollywood Brown was going to be one. Uh, and they compounded that by not seeing it last year by trying to get somebody. Um, and it compounded even more by trading away. And I understand why they traded away um, the guy they traded to Atlanta, tight end. Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst, thank you. Um, because they built an offense around three tight ends and they couldn't figure out what the third tight end was going to be after they traded, around, traded Hayden Hurst away. I'm trying. All I'm trying to say is, th- this was your off season to fix the pl- fix the problem. Yep. You could have went and get got Kenny Gall- Galladay. You you could have. You didn't. So now you have, now you have your situation you're in right now, okay. And I'll tell you right now, Chris. So they're sitting at number twenty seven, Chris. And if they think a receiver is going to come to them, I'm I'm sure. We, we always know there's players up and down the draft that come out of nowhere. Kenny, Kenny Galladay was not a first round pick. We know that because he was a free agent this year. He didn't have the fifth year option. Right. So you can always get players and, and they can turn into something better, but it, it would be nice if, if they were high enough or they, they moved up enough to get Jamar chase, which is realistically what they need. They need, they, they, Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle, those two are not going to solve their problems. Um, they can try for one of these other um, kids later in the first round, early second round. But then my second point is, does your offense allow for that kind of growth in a player? I don't know if it does. Like, why did Kenny Galladay develop so much? Because the Lions, all they did was pass. Pass, pass, because right. they had no running game. They're always behind, too. They had to. Right. So they had no choice. Um, I just I just don't see how they can take um, a talented player and develop that talented player into a one in this offense. Like I said before, they need to – this offense needs to take that next step. And I'll say it nicer than Steve Smith said it. Um, it's just if they try with this iteration and they continue with this, eventually it's just going to turn into the Cleveland Browns division. Yeah, which would have seemed crazy to say five years ago, even three years ago, but it, it, it could very well be true if the you know circumstances you just laid out happen. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll say this much. I am a fan of Marquise Brown. I think he's really good. He's just not that 1A. Uh, Samuel Watkins, when he plays, is fine. They didn't pay a ton for him by NFL, you know, financial terms, so whatever. And the two other guys I mentioned, Blinken and Duvernay, they could develop into something special. But the point of it is, you have a really good defense right now. Maybe it's not the Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs dominant defense of, of years past, but it's really, really good, really solid, some real talent on that defense. You have uh, uh, J.K. Dobbins, who... I think it's going to take over for um, uh, Mark Ingram, who de- who departed uh, this past off season, just fine. They're not going. I don't think they're going to miss a beat there. I think honestly they might even be better off because he's younger and I think he's more versatile. 
and then we all know what Lamar Jackson can do. And look, I, I had my doubts on Lamar last year after he struggled in a few games uh, until you saw what that team looked like when he was out. Was he out with COVID, I believe? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he was out with COVID, and that team did not look the same at all. They were off on every aspect. They That team needs Lamar. That team is built around Lamar. Lamar is the guy. He's legit. Any doubts I had were erased. That first game he came back, and, and the way I saw them play when he was out. Uh, he's definitely the backbone of that offense. And Mark Andrews, it, <laughs> look, you have your, your, your Kittle, who's number one. Yeah. Uh, Kelsey, I mean, look, you can say he's two now, but you can't be two if you can't stay on the field. So he's got to actually put together a season where he stays healthier. That's going to go bye-bye. Uh, you have a bunch of tight ends who are uh, your Zach Ertz's who are talented, but they're not what, quite what they once were. Uh, yeah, Hunter Henry, new Patriots tight end who, who knows, in a new system. Uh, I think he's going to do just fine, but that might not entail big offensive stats. Right. That might just be really good blocking and timely catches. So Mark Andrews could easily, easily, I think, be a top five tight end in this league. I think you have your Kelsey, your Kittle. Darren Waller's got to be up there, about with Vegas. Uh, and then you have Andrews and throw in somebody else. I mean, you could throw in Jonu Smith. You could throw in Jonu Smith. I just didn't want to be accused of being a homer. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Um it all, and it depends on how Irv Smith Jr. with Minnesota develops. How it depends because now he's gonna, he's going to have opportunity with uh, Kyle Rudolph gone, and yep. then if Noah Fant, AJ Howard, David, and John, like there's a lot of a lot in that middle group that you're talking about. That could they take a step forward? Evan Ingram. I mean, the, the list goes on. Noah Fant. It's just yeah. It's just who is willing to take that next step? Who is in position? I think Mark Andrews is in a great position. It's just, is he really good or is he great? And that's going to be the question because if he's really good, he's really good tight end. He's a pro Bowl tight end, but he's not going to evolve that offense on his own. You're still going to need that elite receiver on the outside, which we agree is not Hollywood Brown. No, and to answer your question about Andrews, I believe Andrews is great. I believe Andrews, it's hard to say anyone can give Kittle a run for their money, just the way that guy, and yeah, say what you want about him, about how the team he's on and everything around him. He's awesome, and he performed even when he didn't have all this talent around him. Uh, I believe he was there uh, with Alex Smith as well when Alex Smith was still there. Didn't put up the numbers he did with Mahomes, but who who does honestly? Nobody. Like, Mahomes Nobody. just adds a dynamic that is just uh, you can't you can't measure it. There's no metric to measure what Mahomes can bring to a team. Uh, I kind of like the Bucks find out with Tom Brady, like some you know it's two different games they play, but both of them just add something special. Uh so I mean, like Andrews is great. I believe. However, you're not going to see that next level because they don't have that receiver threat to take some of the focus off of him. Look, he's the number one receiver on that team. I, I know he's not a wide receiver, but he's the number one receiver on that team. Oh, he is. He absolutely is. Anyone wants to tell you 
that Tyreek Hill is just as effective a receiver if Travis Kelsey's not on that team is kidding himself. Oh, no way. Kelsey makes that team, that offense, with his talent and his ability just as much as Mahomes does. Andrews could do the same thing if he had somebody else to take the focus off him. If they get that receiver, and you don't need a guy to get 2,000 yards. You don't need a Calvin Johnson. You don't have to get a DeAndre Hopkins. You don't even have to get a Kenny Galladay. What you got to get is a guy who you just know is going to be there. You know he's yeah. going to be consistent. You know he's going to be healthy. You know he's going to be solid. You know he's going to put the numbers up. You could get a Chris Godwin. You could even get, get a Scotty Miller. You could get, uh, if you had a guy like an Edelman, you know, if he was still playing. It doesn't have to be big, flashy name, lots of money. Just find the talent. If you have that, this offense goes from, oh, man, well, there's a few dynamics we're going to have a really hard time, you know, uh, you know, kind of containing to how the hell do we stop these guys? Right. Because they have so many different dynamics. Now, you slow down the run, you block Andrews. I wouldn't have a problem if my game plan was let the Ravens wide receivers beat you. And I think for Eric DaCosta to come out and act like everyone else should feel bad because he hasn't found that guy or got that guy through free agency for his team. Oh, it makes everyone feel bad. I feel bad for the Ravens fans and the talent on that team right. that he hasn't gone out, like you said, and got the appropriate pieces to fill out that offense. Because this is a championship caliber team with just a few right tweaks. And Sammy Watkins was not that tweak. Oh, no way. And if he thinks that Sammy Watkins is going to be the difference, he will find out real quickly that he is not going to be the difference because he won't be on the field enough to provide that protection uh, for Mark Andrews, for Hollywood Brown. And I'm not going to sit here and trash on their first-round pick from last year. Patrick Queen, uh, not last year, the year before. <clears throat> I'm sorry, that's last year's. Yeah. Um, because that was a great pick. They needed a linebacker. They sure. needed a linebacker in that spot. Um, but If they could pick receivers the way they pick linebackers, they'd be the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. Uh, and I, I think if they could have – and then their second round pick was J.K. Dobbins. Again, you can't trash either one of those picks because they needed both of those players. But they needed somehow to, to get an offensive weapon. So clearly, <clears throat> they would have taken a hit somewhere had they not drafted J.K. Dobbins or Patrick Queen. So it was incumbent on the GM, either that offseason or the beginning of this offseason, to make a move to get a wide receiver. Because right. right now you're sitting at 27. You're not getting Jamar Chase. <clears throat> if you think Devontae Smith is the Heisman Trophy winner and, and great stud that he is, you're still not going to get him at 27. Jalen Waddle coming off his, his, his injury, but he, he was able to come back late in the season. as He's a speed guy, great agility. He's not going to be the guy he's going to be he's going to be he could potentially be hollywood brown 2.0 and and that's not what you need you need a guy or you need your running back to be so explosive that you can't drop that safety 
deep in coverage over Hollywood Brown because then you have Mark Andrews coming across the middle being a threat there. It's like you need something. You need J.K. to, to elevate this team or you need another, a reliable wide receiver, like you said, to elevate this team. And they, they haven't done that. I think Dobbins is going to be electric. I think he is going to be that guy. I know we're both really high on J.K. Oh, Dobbins. Yeah. And like I said, I, my, my opinion on Mark Andrews is he's a top five tight end right now, and he could very well be in the Kelsey conversation <laughs> uh, as far as his quality of play goes. Uh, maybe not maybe not stat-wise. That's just not the Baltimore's offense. But he could be in a conversation ability-wise. Uh, you know, if they were to get that receiver, what what Andrews needs to be that guy is his Kelsey to Tyree Kill. He needs his Tyree Kill. Yeah, he needs his and- guy who can take it off him. And I agree with you. I don't think they you know they they drafted fine last year. Yeah, Patrick Queen, J.K. Dobbs, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Those guys are going to be phenomenal. I think for the next however many years they play. Um, but you hit the nail on the head. Free agency trades. Guys are always available. Guys are always moving. Get a, get a go out there and find. Uh, look what Belichick did for years. Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, guys who nobody else were really high on, and he dug deep and he found his guys he wanted. The Chris Hogan's, Danny Amendola's, the guys who made, <laughs> just <laughs> probably just damn like the four most talented white guys at receiver in the last two decades. Well, um, I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you like this, Chris. Do you think at the time of this trade, and we know exactly when this trade went down. Do you not think the Baltimore Ravens had the artillery to go get DeAndre Hopkins? Oh, knowing what we know? Yeah. Oh, man. They they could have thrown a first-round pick and Mark Ingram in there. I think they could have had him. 100%. You and already you get, had, and you get a known commodity who you yeah. know can get the job done. And I believe they this was – I don't remember what the exact date of the draft – of the uh, trade, but I think this was after the draft – you had J.K. Dobbins. You didn't, and you could have gave up. Maybe you, maybe you give up the first round pick this year. This year, uh, from a previous, in that, in that point. Oh, okay. You now have the DeAndre Hopkins. You now have Mark Andrews. You have Marquise Brown. You, you are all set. You, you've, but this could all be a moot point, Chris, because if J.K. Dobbins does become top to one running back in the league, then this offense is, is going to be unhinged and people aren't going to be able to stop it because you're going to have Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins in the backfield and Marquise Brown doing what he he can do, which he has talent, deep balls, screens, and then Mark Andrews blowing up the middle of the field. It's a matter of health and can J.K. Dobbins elevate the team because – you haven't done anything with receiver. I'm sorry. Your receiver receiving core is extremely lacking. You take one, one injury and you're 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 up shit's creek without a paddle. Yeah, if Mark Andrews were to get hurt, you're done. Forget it from the receiving game because you're not a receiving threat anymore. You might as well you might as well go trade for another running back because you're gonna need to implement Justice Hill. The six running backs that Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, and another running back, along with Lamar Jackson, because you're gonna need to because you're gonna have nothing. Yeah. Well, I mean, good luck, but I mean maybe maybe just you know, fill out your team's needs rather than 
you know, blame everybody else for pointing out your obvious lack of ability to uh, give the team what it needs to that position. Just just a suggestion. What, what do I know? Uh, all right, this next segment, we're going to close yeah. it out today with a look at the top five quarterbacks in the upcoming NFL draft. I can't believe it's only next Thursday, and Ben is already getting his jazz hands ready. He is oh, pretty yeah. excited over there. That He is I, – I say this uh complete honesty for all the crap I give Ben. We've been friends for – God knows how many years. So, I mean, it, it's kind of our responsibility to give each other crap. Uh, anybody out there who's had a friend for that long knows that's exactly what you do. Um, if you're nice to them, they think something bad's happened. Absolutely. Um, so, I say this with all sincerity. Uh, I I would honestly, based on Ben's knowledge of uh, just college uh, football and these draft picks and everything, trust him without hesitation more than solid 85 to 90 percent of the people you see on espn online anywhere else he's going to give you what he really sees without bias he hates ohio state he's a michigan fan but he's been high on fields all offseason you're not going to get bias you're not going to get clickbait you're not going to get bs nonsense you're not going to get shouting into the microphone to try to get clicks you're going to get somebody who knows what he's talking about who's going to give you a real opinion so i look as forward to these segments with the draft picks too, because full disclosure, I am not big on college football. Nothing against it. It just, I can't get into it as much. I, I think it's because I don't have a school I really root for. I think that's right. the thing. I don't have, that's probably it. I don't have someone to pull for. Uh, I like seeing good games. I'll usually watch the the national championship uh, game. I'll watch uh, the, the playoff now that they have it. Always good. Um, yeah. But, I just can't get into it if I don't have something to pull for. It's kind of like playing poker for for no money. Like it just doesn't. Yeah, it's cool, it's fun, whatever. But like I, I'm not going to win anything, so whatever. So I look forward to these because I learn things too. So I'm going to kind of lay up here. Yeah. And, and Ben Ben's going to do his thing. I am going to ask some questions, but this is this is Ben's happy place talking about the draft and college football and stuff. So have at it. And Chris, and Chris, if you can see, the list has been made. <laughs> it's not in pen yet, but the mock draft is ready. So, um, and I say, I appreciate everything Chris said. I will give this caveat. This is a tough, tough one to do. There's a lot of players on this list that did not play this year. And a lot of what you do and, and what you see is off the recent history because you don't really want to go too much uh, years past you don't want to rely too much on previous years if especially because usually it's because the players injured in that current season so there's a lot of players on this list that decided to opt out again i will stress i, I do not hold it against them that is their choice their choice to opt out their choice not to play that is fine it does come with some points that are going to knock against you and you may not be drafted as high as you thought you were going to be. So uh, we're going to target the five quarterbacks that are supposedly going to go in the first round. I'm going to start at five. That's Mac Jones. I've talked about Mac Jones before. Alabama product has weapons galore. You know, you're going to see Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, 
all drafted in the first round, all from all from Alabama, all. And there's possibly one or two offensive linemen that are going to be drafted from Alabama in the first or second round. Not to mention all other play like, and not to mention last year you had players drafted in the first. You see where I'm going with this? You Chris. think Alabama could have beat Jacksonville? <laughs> no, they can't. No, no college <laughs> team can beat the pro team. It's just uh, physics. Uh, I like what he does, Chris. But it's not physics. It's physics. Size. Yeah. Bigger, bigger uh, players. Yeah, okay. Smaller. Okay. I get you. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm bending the rules a little bit on physics, okay? All right, it's your segment. Go ahead. Anyway, Go ahead. Max Jones, uh, he's consistent. He he does. He makes the throws you want him to make. I just question, does he have Alex Smith in him? Where he's not going to elevate your team. It's not. I know it's not a fair assessment on him, but you can only go by the information you have. And the information you have take out pro days, take out combines, take out senior bowls. Okay. Those don't, those are not going to implement too much into your decision-making on that. You want to go with game film uh, against the best competition and the best competition. He, he succeeded. He's got, they got a championship ring this year, but he had a lot of talent. So, do we know what he's going to be able to be? No, but he is a first-round talent. I, there was early in the offseason, he was a second-round talent. I think he's a first-round talent. I like him to the Saints because look at the weapons they have there. Insert him, done. Insert him and done. And then – and Sean Payton can possibly – that's what you also need, Chris, is potentially an offensive guy to kind of elevate him up a little bit because Andy Reid got Alex Smith late in his career. So I don't know if there was much to really help nurture. So Mac Jones is going to go early, unfortunately. It all depends if someone wants to jump up and get him. But I think he's the fifth quarterback in this draft. Now, do you think he makes it 28 or you think there's a trade? Oh, if he – no, he won't make it past 10. I already, I already okay. told you. This is this – is Well, I know you told me I just wanted to get it eight. out there for – Eight, eight, seven, or eight. There's no way five, five. There's no way there's a fifth quarterback outside of the top ten. Okay. Uh, could people jump in? Absolutely, but I. It's it's the same thing every year, Chris. It's teams overvalue quarterbacks in the first round because they're just so hungry for that franchise quarterback that they're gonna they're gonna jump. Now, can I, real quick, I just want to sure uh, say this, get in here real quick, because you started at five with Mac Jones. Now we have right. our baseline. Mm-hmm. Now you say he, you think he's going to go eight or you know seven, eight to New Orleans. They're going to trade up and get him. Do you think, because there's still other teams there that need a quarterback, you're going to see uh, guys who might not be first round talents get pulled into the middle or later a part of the first round and become first round picks because those top five guys are gone. And the guy I'm thinking of specifically is, is Kyle Trask. So I, I saw how, that. On the- yeah. I, I, I know you saw, you saw the rundown, but how, and I really don't know. Truthfully, I haven't watched a lot of I've, these five guys I've seen. Yeah. Uh, the top five outside of that, I haven't really uh, paid much attention because 
you're continuously told it's these five and there's no other quarterback in the first round. And that very well may happen. But how far talent-wise and necessarily like draft pick-wise is Kyle Trask from the, the, the bottom of the upper echelon, the top five, that is Mac Jones? I would put Mac Jones, if, if we're talking about you're going to slot all the players in the first round where they should be, talent-wise, Mac Jones should be late first, early second. Kyle Trask should be a second to third round pick. Okay. Kyle Trask couldn't win his starting job until players started transferring. And then he had an, I actually, cause I, I saw him on the rundown. I pulled up his, um, his college football reference. Um, and he had a legit crazy good um, senior season. I wanted to, get his stats because um, 68 68% completion percentage 4200 yards 43 touchdowns 8 interceptions it's pretty good yeah I saw the competition he plays in the SEC Chris that's the best competition going to be he lost to the best competition um, people will say because he uh, his coach came out in defense of him in the bowl game against Alabama, uh, not Alabama, um, Oklahoma, they lost a lot of their wide receiver weapons, and he had a trash game, and they pulled him for uh, the backup that's going to start probably next year. I looked at a couple of his games, and I'm just, and I just know he's he's inaccurate. He has a little injury history. He doesn't do it for me. I just think there was so much upside on him and he just could never, maybe, maybe it was a talent problem. Maybe they couldn't surround him with the talent and then eventually they did. But I just, there's just not enough there for me to say, Hey, give him a first round pick uh, grade. Can someone jump up? Yes. Right. Hey, based on, based on what you just said about him and based on how these other two guys were kind of talked about coming out of college. Yeah, a couple of years you're going to be saying Brady, Mahomes, Trask. <laughs> it's, I have no idea if that's true or not. Obviously, it's but. possible. Um, I, I just look at like the one team I would I would say could they grab Kyle Trask? It would be the New Orleans Saints. Okay, if just they don't because, get Matt Jones. Just because Sean Payton does he want an actual young quarterback? And he's got Taysom Hill. He's got Jameis Winston. I think that's the one legit possibility at 28. Uh, Because I don't see, you know, if you look at the top, let's say three in the first, in the second round, I don't see them trying to jump back into the first round. And depending on what Atlanta does at four, that's a crapshoot right there. If they don't go quarterback at four, they could absolutely do that in the in the top of the second round. All right. Well, let's let's go back to your list. I uh, I just wanted to kind of sidebar there, kind of just to kind of give people a, a, an idea and myself also, honestly, of right. what you thought of of Trask compared to what the distance was between he and the quote top five. Right. Uh, so Trey Lance from South Dakota State, home, home of, of the great Carson Wentz. 
And let's, <laughs> hey, 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 do not forget Easton Stick, okay? Backup quarterback for the San Diego Chargers. Uh, that sounds like a college. Right? Uh, so he's got talent. I think I like him to Jordan Love. A lot of talent, a lot of raw talent. Needs to sit a year. He could, he could be something special. I just think there's a lot of unknown around him. It's just a lot of raw ability. It's all you can think of is he's got a lot of raw ability and he could perform. You just need him with a, with a a starting quarterback that could play this year and develop behind like Jordan Love is. Problem with Jordan Love is he's stuck behind a guy who just almost went to the Super Bowl. And I don't know what's going to happen there, but you know, there's a couple of teams you could look at and say, yeah, we can draft him and he can sit uh, because we're not looking to win anything this year. We're looking at next year, the year after that. New England, Minnesota, Washington football team, those kind of teams, they have somebody there that they can work with this year and then possibly move to Trey Lance the next year or the year after. Okay. So we get to Zach Wilson. This was the biggest question mark because I didn't see anything on him. I, I, so I sat down. When I look at somebody for the first time, I want to see them at their worst because it's really easy to put on a YouTube right. uh, highlights and ooh ah look at all these plays he's making. No no no. Let me let me look up his worst game in this previous season, and I want to see what he did. I saw a lot of good. I saw some bad. So. He had great numbers this past season, but the competition was not great. Um, and you actually see that a lot this this past season. A lot of great numbers and not a lot of great competition. I saw he's got he's got an arm. I yeah. think that's I, it, the why people love him. He has got an arm. In the game I watched, he did a lot of across the field throws like cross body, which we right. know is, is extreme. No, no. And you'd see his ball just kind of hang there. Kind of uh, like a, a dying quail. Yeah. Kind of like a Peyton Manning end of the career yeah. dying quail. And it's just like in the pros, I see that ball going the other way, but it, it, when he's throwing to arm side, he's got, he got zip on it. He's got precision. The kid can run. The kid needs to learn how to run um, in the right situations, and he needs to learn how to slide more efficiently. Yeah. So he's got some work to do. I mean, he's a rookie. He's going to have some work to do. Sure. But I see the upside. I see the talent, and I see the ability. So I see the allure. A lot of people have compared him, I've seen, to Justin Herbert. He doesn't have the size. That's the problem. Right. Herbert I, or, or, or Wilson. Wilson doesn't Wilson. have the size. I Because I, in, in all fairness, I actually watched quite a few Justin Herbert games. So I, I've seen how he compares. Watching a highlight game from this past season, and it was like a alt-22 shot. Alt-22 is 
you get all 22 players in the shot. Um, he doesn't look like he's that big. His frame is slight to medium to mediocre. So I can see like, some. Like, like Drew Brees? No, I mean, like, like height, he's, I think he's fine. Just uh, the frame. The like, build, okay. He doesn't have, he could build it up. He could, certainly right. could, but he might lose a little bit in speed and, and agility. But I, I can see some similarities in Justin Herbert. I just, I, I concerned with his ability to get down when he needs to get down and hit his checkdowns and have faith in his checkdowns. And again, I only watched one game, and that and that's part of the problem is he has three seasons, but one of them was he didn't play much, one of them was horrible, and then last year. So I, I didn't want to do him a disservice by looking at his. Uh, garbage season and then sure i can look at his highlight film and that's going to give me all these great highlights shots and 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 plays but there's some good things i saw he led his team down the field in a crunch time and i would say his defense didn't do him justice by stopping the um coastal carolina team which by the way was undefeated along with them so it wasn't like they were playing against a poor team it's just they came up against a really good team and they just got barely edged out. Right. Um, but I, I see the allure. It's just, if I were a team, uh, this is another player where I'd say, I need to have someone in place to kind of start or at least be there in case I'm not confident he's ready. Okay. Not, not like Cam Newton, not like, Kirk Cousins. I need someone Fitzpatrick, you know. Um, if I had Tyrod Taylor, I would say, okay. Poor Tyrod. I know. Poor Somebody Tyrod. give this man a starting job all season. Eh. If I had Tyrod and then I drafted Zach Wilson, I could say, okay, let's see if Zach Wilson has it. If he doesn't, then at least we have Tyrod Taylor who can be a serviceable quarterback until he's ready. Well, if he doesn't, uh, whew. man, because this is supposedly the guy the Jets are taking that too. I right know. now in all projections, if he, if they misfire on another quarterback, my goodness, that is going to be, there's going to be a meltdown. I'd be concerned if I were the Jets because I don't know if I have enough weapons for this kid to truly develop. The only, the only upside, Chris, is they have Mackay Beckham on one side. And they have another first-round pick this draft to possibly get uh, bookend. Um, do I to potentially get? And they're like I told you, it's a deep tackle draft, right? So they could get somebody there. Um, but I think I'd be slightly concerned mm. if I were the Jets that I don't have enough around him right now to make it work. Unless I got that beefy second tackle that can really protect him so that they're not worried about getting him killed. Because right now, um, who'd they get? They got Kenny Galladay went to the Giants, right? Yes. So they have a bunch of <clears throat> crap. The Jets do, I think. Uh, I mean, they signed, they signed some guys. They signed Corey Davis. Oh, that's right. I mean, they, oh, that's Corey Davis. Got it. 
Huh? They got they got some they got some receiver talent in. Um, if it's enough, who knows? Especially for a rookie, it'll be tough. But I think I think Robert Sala kind of wants to build that team around solid defense and running the ball, which is going to require a running back. So they may want to do that. Well, I, think a, I think they're going to draft one. So. Right. Well, there's the problem, Chris. Though that the, the the running back they would need, they're not going to be a position to get because he's going to be gone by their second pick. I mean, I, I don't see either of these running backs. I think, not to unveil too much of my draft, but I think I have both both going before their second pick. So that's a problem because Here's they're a, talented running backs. They know, too, is they do have the draft capital to move up. Oh, yeah. So if they did want to, they want to take – look, I don't think they should take uh, um, Zach Wilson at number two. I think number two should be the guy you're probably going to talk about next. Uh, without a doubt, hands down. But uh, everything is pointed to the Jets taking Zach Wilson. And they can do that and then take some other picks. And they don't have to move up to pick five or six. No, no. They can they can move up to mid to late teens and probably get the best running back in the draft. So, I mean, they, they have the ability to do that if that's what they want to do. Yeah, they could absolutely move up to – let's say they wanted to – I know it's it's – uh, heresy, but they could trade with the New England Patriots at 15 and absolutely get the one of the running backs that they want. Yeah, here's here's so we'll move on to number two, which you've already kind of hinted at Justin Fields, Ohio State, yep, starting quarterback. Um, played two plus seasons. Uh, I did play a, a, a tiny bit of Georgia, but not much, not, not enough to, to lose a year. So he played two full seasons at, at Ohio State, one full, and then obviously last year was not a full season, but it's a full season. He has all the abilities you want. Uh, his accuracy needs a little bit of work, not much. Um, I just like him because he he started the 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 wheel turning on getting the season played for the Big Ten, and I think that drive to get that going just tells you it has nothing to do with on the field. His, his film speaks for itself. Okay. He's got the talent. He's got running ability. He can throw the ball. Every quarterback has stuff to work on in this draft, but the drive to, to make it happen. So he could play this year, I think speaks volumes to him as a leader. And that's why I want him starting day one. And the Jets should draft him at number two. Then that way they can take their running back at whatever they want. And now you have a dynamic. Because if they get if they got their hands on Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, now you have a backfield for the next three or four years that can potentially be elite level and give defenses nightmares in the uh, AFC. And then you have Mekhi Becton already. It's a it's a deep it's a deep talented tackle draft. You could potentially get somebody in the second round if you still have your pick, and bulk up that def- that offensive line. And I know you said Robert Salah wants to build it through the defense. Don't you think he could build up the defense by kind of talking them up and, and coaching them up? Sure, he proved last year he can he can have a good defense with a mash unit when he was in San Fran, and yeah, I mean. It, there's been talk of 
where Justin Fields goes for me, it seems like it could be one of the, the, the big mysteries of this draft. It's insane to me, honestly. Oh, dude, I know very little about college football, like I've said many times before and, and before this segment. I know how good this kid is. He should be number two. You could argue one, maybe. Uh, but I think people are so sold on Lawrence being the guy, like a future face of the league, that no one's going to you know, usurp him right now. He's right. going to be the first overall pick. And it's not really a spoiler. I know your number one is everybody else right. does too. So I didn't, I didn't think you'd care if I mentioned it. But like the, the fact that Fields is not seen as the lock for number two, and you're talking about Zach Wilson number two. Okay, well, then the Falcons might take uh, – uh, excuse me, the uh, the Niners might take Mac Jones. Or they might take uh, the other kid we talked about, uh, Trey Lance. Right. And uh, the Falcons are – oh, the Falcons will take Mac Jones. And you're sitting there saying, so you could see Justin Fields, if there's no trades, fall down to 14, 15, 16. Well, seems crazy. But I mentioned it earlier. little continuity in this show. Back in 05, it was Alex Smith and Aaron Rodgers seen as 1-2. Easily. Smith was taken 1 by San Fran. Rodgers was taken, I want to say it was 21 or 22, by Green Bay. Got passed up over and over and over and over again. You'd be hard-pressed to find someone from that draft with a better career. Certainly no quarterbacks. So, I mean, this kid falls. He could be one of the steals of the decade. I mean, honestly. I, I It's like I texted you a couple of days ago when uh, I saw Charlie Cashley's mock draft on ES on NFL.com and he had Pittsburgh taking Justin Fields at 24. And you brought up the same point about Aaron Rodgers. And I'm like, I, I have a hard time believing Justin Fields of all the players, Justin Fields is going to fall out of the top 10. Oh, as do I, I don't think it'll happen. Look, I think San Fran comes up at three yeah. and they pick Justin Fields. I really do. It's just all the talk around that is just insane. It's like everyone's trying to psych everybody else out. And and for all the chatter, there was a little bit of chatter about whether uh, Justin Fields was the last one in and the first one to leave at practices or game film. And that was chatter that was stomped down by his uh, uh, head coach at Ohio State, Zach Day. Um, and I bring that up because I also bring up Zach Wilson's supposed golden spoon or silver spoon in his mouth. Uh, but that's reports on, uh, a website that doesn't have the sources and, and he refutes it. His head coach uh, refutes that he's entitled and I bring all that up, Chris, because you also have Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is number one. He has all the mechanics, all the abilities, everything. And he did an SI piece. And championships don't drive him, is what his dad said. And his head coach said that he could walk away from football and not even think twice about it. Congratulations, Jacksonville. 
And then what he, what he, what Boy, he, if he's not playing for championships, he's going to the right team. I know. And, and then he tries to come out like it was yesterday or today. He tries to, to smash, smash it down by saying he loves football, this and that. And all I'd say to this is to all, all the, the quarterbacks in the draft is like, when you're drafted, appreciate where you get drafted and then go out and prove that team right and prove all the other teams wrong. And then for Trevor Lawrence, because obviously if he's the first overall pick, there's no one to prove uh, wrong, but prove all the doubters wrong. Even if you don't care, even if you don't have a chip on your shoulder, like you said, uh, go out and prove everyone wrong that they were wrong, that you don't love football, that you you love it, that you enjoy it. But I'm sorry, when your your high school head coach says you can walk away from football and not care, that is the direct opposite of what Tom Brady. Tom, they're going to have to pry the football out of Tom Brady's hand for him to to walk away from the game. And that's the kind of dedication you want from your starting quarterback. You're going to see 70-year-old, 75-year-old Tom Brady in a walker. Break. They're going to think it's a fan trying to run on the field. It's going to be Tom Brady thinking he's going to the huddle and his walker throwing the ball downfield like <laughs> – that's a, that's the level. I mean, dude, for every guy like this, like a Trevor Lawrence, and look, for all we know, who knows the context he meant it in, regardless, not a good look to say things like that. And if you're already in height at the high school level, have people saying, oh, you could walk away any time and not care. Eh, is that really the guy you want to build your franchise around? Maybe, but I don't know. For every one of those guys, though, there's a Dak Prescott. There's a Tom Brady. There's guys who were not looked at as being anything other than a throwaway pick who make damn nice careers for themselves. And I'm not trying to compare the career of Dak Prescott to the career of Tom Brady. I know that's preposterous. I'm just saying late round picks, people just kind of see as, eh, well, okay, take a chance on that guy, whatever. Turn into franchise cornerstones. Uh, I love me a good underdog story. And you can give me one of those guys all day over the guy who's been pampered from the time he was seven years old. Saying, I can leave any time. Uh-huh. So I'm ready to go on the record, Chris. Okay. Oh, here it so comes. First, I, I first, know what's coming. I know what's coming. First time I'm going to do this on the record for the top five quarterbacks. Because <clears throat> I know how, you know how I said, uh, I was right on this player. I was wrong on this player. Trevor Lawrence is going to be good. Justin Fields is going to be great. Trey Lance is going to be a good quarterback. Mac Jones is going to be a mid-level quarterback. Zach Wilson, bust. Oof. There we go. Yikes. On the record, I will I will state on the record that is what I think. Okay. Well, uh, anything else, or uh, this is you know that was that was your your part of the show, so. I don't want to cut you off. Anything else? Uh, I'm all set. All right. Well, I am good. So that is going to do it for episode 126. We thank you very much for listening. Uh, next time uh, might be a little bit of a shorter show next week. Uh, maybe not, actually, because Ben's going to run down his entire draft. He's going to go through his, his, uh, his oh, first round oh. mock. I was going to say first round, Chris. First now. round mock. That's for the entire first round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, don't want to Everyone out there, I, I just told people it's going to be a shorter show, and they're like, a whole draft is going to be seven hours. This whole first round. Uh, maybe we'll even get, get some comparisons to some of these guys, current or past players. Ben may think they compare to the best, unless he's already done that. I know Ben already did that. Um, 
know, no pressure. Maybe if somebody comes to the top of your head, it's not something that we need a solid 32 players who remind you of this guy. Uh, but we're going to have that next uh, for you next Wednesday, Thursday, round one of the draft. We're going to have a bonus episode for you. We're going to do the same thing we did last year. We're going to wait till probably, I don't know, pick probably, probably going to wait till after the Patriots pick at 15, if they pick at 15, uh, because we waited till about the midpoint last year. And then we're going to, we're going to about an hour, hour and a half. We're going to go over the picks that happened before we started recording. And we're going to give kind of some live commentary to what's going on as we're watching the draft. Be a little bonus episode. We did that last year. It was completely off the cuff. There was no rundown. There was no anything. We turned on the mics, put record, record. I personally thought it was one of our best episodes. Hopefully you all enjoyed it too. Got some really good downloads, but that is what's coming up next week. So we have Ben's mock draft on the normal scheduled Wednesday show and on Thursday, which you will get Friday morning. Well, actually, you know what? I'll just edit it and send it right out. So if you're a night owl on Thursday night, you're going to get a Thursday night, uh, our bonus episode for the actual coverage of the first round of the draft. If you have any questions about anything you heard on this episode or past episodes or sports related in general, Ben and I would love to hear from you and we're going to get in touch with us. Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTS pod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports, or the website, bctspod.com. All right. We ask you, ladies and gentlemen, to please tell a friend about the podcast. If you enjoy it and you feel so inclined, please give a rating and a review. Until next time, I got to take this dog of mine for a walk. She's been staring at me for about an hour and a half. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.